In 2010, Chinese trade with Libya was growing rapidly. It was worth $6.5 billion, or about 25% more than just the year before. Tens of thousands of Chinese workers lived in Libya, mostly doing construction and trade, and the Chinese government was delighted they were there. Libya wasn't the only developing country with a growing Chinese population in 2010. Beijing often encouraged trade in places like Iraq and the Congo, countries many in the West considered too poor, too dangerous, or both. So the Chinese strategy seemed to be working. Chinese companies were making money. And in Libya, oil-thirsty China was deepening its ties with a country that had oil to spare. But then, in January 2011, the Arab Spring began. Crowds surged into the streets and militias arose out of nowhere. Within weeks, Beijing needed to evacuate 36,000 Chinese citizens from Libya. The Chinese government had never before conducted operations of that scope and scale outside of its own borders. What did the Chinese government learn from the experience? In this episode, we cover why security in the Middle East matters to China, how the Middle East fits into China's current security framework, and China's changing security capacities in the region. I'm your host, John Alterman, Senior Vice President, Spignev Brzezinski Chair in Global Security and Geostrategy, and Director of the Middle East Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. And this is the China in the Middle East podcast miniseries. In the last decade, China has increased its economic partnerships with the Middle East. Chinese oil imports from the Middle East have grown dramatically. Imports from Saudi Arabia alone nearly doubled. At the same time, China's overall footprint in the Middle East, economic, cultural, political, diplomatic, has grown dramatically as well. With rapidly growing ties, China has had to examine its security needs in the Middle East and how it can meet them. Experts on Chinese national security strategy tell me that it's tightly focused on efforts to increase national strength. Dean Chang, a senior research fellow in the Asian Studies Center at the Heritage Foundation, elaborates. The Chinese think about their security in what they term comprehensive national power. Comprehensive national power takes into account military capability, economic capacity, diplomatic respect, political unity, etc. So from the Chinese perspective, comprehensive national power is not only how they measure their strength, but it is also the array of tools that they will employ to pursue national ends. But the Middle East is only one aspect of their national security model. Where places like the Middle East fit in is that they are sources of key raw materials. They are the things that keep China's industry powered, keep the cities lit. Is this a national security issue? Absolutely, because if the lights go out, if the wheels stop turning, the party, this Chinese Communist Party's legitimacy goes away. And from the CCP's perspective, national security is truly bound up with its survival and its staying in power. So for China, being able to access oil, being able to access oil physically as well as financial and to move it to China means that it wants to have trading partners and friendly powers in the Middle East. But energy isn't China's only security concern in the Middle East. There's also a relatively recently identified category of interest that's increasingly important. That's overseas interest. And to my mind, there's 
two types of overseas interests to, to grossly simplify. One is people and the other is stuff. That's Andrew Scobell, a senior political scientist at the Rand Corporation. Increasingly, Chinese citizens are traveling, living, working overseas. And even though numbers are hard, precise numbers are hard to come by, there's estimates are as high as half a million Chinese nationals uh, living and working in the Middle East. And so the protection of these individuals is, is, is really important for China. In 2011, China was unprepared to evacuate Chinese citizens from both Libya and Yemen. Both were far away and the numbers were large. The difficulty and scale of the evacuations in part motivated China to open its first overseas military base in Djibouti. So that's the people aspect. What about the stuff? The uh, Middle East is important in, in geostrategic terms. can be seen as the nexus of the overland belt and maritime road, the Belt and Road Initiative. 60% of China's European and African trade passes through the UAE alone. Much more somehow touches the Middle East, and China has been investing mightily in Middle Eastern infrastructure as part of the Belt and Road Initiative, or BRI. As trade routes become intertwined with Chinese investment, China finds itself needing to protect both the trade routes and the investment. Regional instability threatens both. But how did China's growing security interests in the Middle East fit into the region's current security framework? The U.S. presence defines the current security framework in the Middle East. The United States spends billions of dollars every year to keeping troops and equipment in the region, and China benefits. Beijing doesn't want to lose that or take on that role themselves. Andrew Scobell of the Rand Corporation explains. China is quite happy to free ride on uh, U.S. military presence and regions around the world, including the Middle East. To the extent that the U.S. seems as if it's drawing down its presence or decreasing its level of commitment to the security of the Middle East, this is actually concerning to China, A, because its ability is still not that good, but also because it is wary of pushback from countries in the region of a larger Chinese military presence. So on top of worries about Chinese military performance, China also worries that it will damage its relationships in the Middle East if it takes on a bigger military role. China is quite proud of the fact and quite happy with the fact that the one outside power in the Middle East that seems to be able to maintain good relations with virtually every country in the region, whether that's Israel, Saudi Arabia, Iran, the Palestinian Authority, Egypt, Turkey, you name it, and the concern in Beijing is if China were to become more involved, more heavily involved in the Middle East uh, diplomatically or militarily, then this might uh, put China's unique status at risk. China's learned from the United States. It's watched the U.S. become a punching bag for Middle Eastern publics, while governments line up for and against the United States. U.S. bases have become both assets and liabilities, and the costs of force protection have risen. It's complicated, expensive, and polarizing. And Beijing wants to avoid that trap. 
Evan Nadaris, President Obama's former special assistant for East Asia, whom we heard from in episode one, reminds us. Traditionally, the Chinese have always been wary of getting too involved in Middle East politics. And they understand the costs and the risks associated with that. And I think to date, they've succeeded pretty well in getting a lot of the diplomatic and economic upside with very few of the security downside risks. The Chinese are very reluctant, both in the Middle East as well as other regions of the world, to have relationships with other countries that involve security assurances. The Chinese don't really have allies. And as much as their global military footprint is expanding, and the Chinese are using security cooperation, military-to-military ties, defense cooperation, more and more in their relationships, it still hasn't expanded to ally or quasi-alliance-like cooperation. But the status quo is clearly changing. The U.S. is stepping away from its traditional role, and China's security capacities in the Middle East are growing. China is increasingly partnering with regional governments on security and counterterrorism efforts. It's also conducted maritime and anti-piracy operations off the Gulf of Aden. Medeiros explains the relative importance of Middle East security to China and how Chinese conceptions of security and national interest in the Middle East relate to their economic interests in the region. The Chinese views of their interests varies obviously by region, And that's why the relative importance of the Middle East matters. In other words, Asia is their principal periphery, and they've got a lot of big challenges in the Asia Pacific. So when they they look at the Middle East, they think, how much do we really want to bite off when we have so many other challenges in other parts of the world? Now, of course, they think our economic interests in the region are growing, and it's important to us But when you begin talking about a greater defense and security footprint, especially one that could imply security commitments in the region, that's a fundamentally different burden for China. But clearly, China does have security commitments in the region. The evacuation of noncombatants from Libya shows that. And China's capacity to meet those commitments is changing. The Heritage Foundation's Dean Chang describes how China's military instruments are tightly interwoven with China's economic and diplomatic instruments. What we see is that, first off, one of the biggest aspects is simply the sheer buying power of being the world's largest importer of hydrocarbons. So that's their, their first and foremost tool is going to be, we buy a lot of your oil, and we would like to have good relations with you. Frequently, what it comes down to is economic might. China relies on its economic strength to make things happen so the Chinese military doesn't have to. Beijing views economic development in the region through projects like the Belt and Road Initiative as a key tool for ensuring regional security. An economically stable country is less likely to become unstable in other areas. Military capabilities are probably at this point the smallest, least important arrow in the quiver. China's military is still working out how it wants to think about expeditionary warfare. It's not like there are any Chinese colonies or Chinese bases within the Middle East. Djibouti is China's first overseas military base. 
China also leans on the UN Security Council, of which it's a permanent member, to assist in its security goals. China's participated in more and more UN peacekeeping operations. As Dean Cheng notes, China is an avid practitioner of military diplomacy. The Chinese don't believe in creating alliance networks, but they do believe in military diplomacy. Again, this goes back to that comprehensive national power aspect that is how China thinks about its capabilities, which includes everything from military to economic to technology. So they have conducted joint military exercises with everyone from Thailand to Russia in the Baltic to even the British and French and ourselves. They were part of the RIMPAC exercises in the Central Pacific for a couple of years. I would fully expect that Chinese ships, warships, will be conducting joint exercises with countries along the North African littoral in the Arabian Sea, uh, in the Red Sea. Military diplomacy, including these peacetime military operations, allows Beijing to increase its operational skills without committing to a larger military presence, like a base. And China's military diplomacy has other payoffs, as Chang reminds us. It shows a Chinese flag. It reminds people China has military capabilities to support its economic interests. It's also not a bad advertising campaign. China is in serial production of a number of major warship designs. It has few problems exporting any of them. And there's nothing like being able to exercise alongside to sort of show your wares. Even as the Chinese military increases its operations overseas, Beijing is expanding its security efforts in one big specific way, technology. I asked Dean Chang if telecommunications infrastructure and the associated technologies were just another arrow in the quiver of China's effort to implant itself in regional economies and global influence. The Chinese also employ technology, not just weapons technology, as part of the arrows in their quiver. So this is not only telecommunications technology, but also surveillance technology. So China, of course, is one of the world's leaders in the 5G race. Huawei is the leading provider of 5G technologies, mostly because it's soup to nuts. Under Chinese law, even ostensibly private companies like Huawei are required to assist in national intelligence work. And Huawei's large range of products means it has access to lots of data. It provides handsets, cell phones. It provides servers and routers. It provides the base stations that are the equivalent of cell towers. All of these things are part of Huawei's network, so they're all integrated and they all work together. And Huawei can sell it at a lot less expensive and good quality. Whether your data is secure on those networks remains to be seen. As Huawei and Chinese technology in general is integrated into the communications and security infrastructures of Arab states, China's security capacity in the region has benefited. Another piece that the Chinese also sell is surveillance technology, which is found, for better or worse, a very large market in a number of Middle East countries. China is a leader in facial recognition software. It has a lot of companies that produce closed-circuit televisions and all the software associated in linking all that together. So again, for internal security purposes, it's one of the leading providers. Each of these is yet another thing that the Chinese sell to build ties at the state level, as well as obviously to individual vendors. As security in the Middle East has become more important to China, Beijing has avoided flooding the region with troops and ships to meet its security needs. 
China has used its commercial and technological assets, combined with diplomatic and military engagement, to win partnerships in the region without either threatening adversaries or firing a shot. China's security needs are evolving, and its methods of meeting those needs are evolving, too. The Libya evacuation in 2011 was not the last time China was forced to test its security capabilities in the Middle East. China was forced to evacuate citizens from Libya again in 2014, from Yemen in 2015. It maintains an important interest in Red Sea security and an interest in free passage through the Strait of Hormuz. For China, the Middle East will never be as important as the Western Pacific. And for the time being, China doesn't have a better option than to have the United States provide most of the external security in the Middle East. But China sees the United States stepping away, and it is using a creative blend of military, economic, and technological capacities in the Middle East to advance China's interest in stability and security in the region. Next time on the podcast, we look at different approaches to China adopted by Middle Eastern states. And we talk to Mohammed Sudairi and Ariane Tabatabai about Middle East perspectives on China. I'm your host, John Alterman, and this is the China in the Middle East miniseries. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.